Closer Look. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, here with Jill Hardy-Heath from Heart of America. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today on Closer Look. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here, Rafael. Thank you for having me. What's the mission of Heart of America? The mission is to make sure that students across the country, both in urban settings, in rural settings, and uh, tribal communities, have access to resources that are equitable and spaces that are motivating and inspiring and allow their full potential to be unlocked. There are schools out there that are in very poor condition. Absolutely. So our schools across the country vary from community to community, and sometimes even within school districts. Um, Our school funding is based on um, federal state donations and grants coming down and allocated, um, but also taxes. And when you have a tax base that is different um, from one community to the other, that means that some communities will get more in taxes and some will get less. So really what our organization and Heart of America does is we partner with um, private funders like corporations to bring in additional dollars to help support students, teachers, and schools um, create the best learning environments through what we call transformations or makeovers. So we transform spaces and think about extreme home makeover, but school edition or boys and girls club edition. And we partner with corporate partners in allocating funds, creating and co-designing spaces. When we co-design, we have an in-house design team, a project management and construction team, um, and we also employ volunteers coming from the funders. So for instance, if we partner with Under Armour in Baltimore, their employees help design the spaces with us in concert with the school itself because they have to have a voice in what is needed. So it's really a collaborative co-designing process. Then we get to work on transforming the space. We get to about 90% completion, and then that's when we bring in the corporate um, volunteers or employees. Um, And Under Armour would bring in hundreds and sometimes thousands of employees to put on finishing touches of that school and or Boys and Girls Club. And part of the model is to invest those employees in the schools of the communities that they live, work, and and grow in. And so that becomes a sustainable model uh, with that school being supported going forward. And do you work closely with uh, school systems? Absolutely. It's the school systems are our our primary partner. Um, We work closely with all the major school districts across the country. The school district helps guide us to the schools and the communities that need our help the most. We also work with them and focus on knowing each school district doesn't have the same amount of funding that can be equitably spread across the district. How are they allocating funds coming from the federal government, from the city, from the state? And where are the schools that aren't able to get funds right away that need improvements and support right now? What are you finding out there in these schools that are poorly equipped? This country created the 
the majority of its schools during the 1940s, 50s, and 60s as we were expanding population-wise. And some of these schools haven't been updated or modernized since that time. So that was a time when teachers taught at the front of the classroom. There was no such thing as computers and technology. And so you think through what kind of buildings were designed at that time, and they weren't necessarily flexible. They didn't have um, connectivity and even electric that could handle modern day technology. So many of these schools across our country need to be modernized and maintained. And unfortunately, according to the last infrastructure report, there's $80 billion of deferred maintenance in school buildings across this country right now. And that's not just modernization. That is deferred maintenance. That's meaning they don't have enough money in the school district to modernize and maintain, and again, maintain is the key word here, their school buildings. We are seeing some school buildings still with asbestos and lead paint, and it's not due to lack of trying from the administrators and the district leaders. It's due truly to a lack of funding and the way we fund our education system. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, here with Jill Hardy-Heath from Heart of America. I understand your work not only to renovate classrooms, but libraries, STEM labs, gymnasiums, and, and more. Yeah, over over the past 25 years of Heart of America's existence, we've worked towards education equity, renovating more than a thousand spaces in the very types of spaces. Um, rooms and environments that you just listed. And the reason being, we took a step back during COVID and we learned a lot. COVID forced um, students out of the school and into their homes. And not every home was equipped to handle remote learning. Some didn't have computers, some didn't have connectivity, some even for those on tribal communities in Navajo Nation didn't even have electricity. And so immediately we we experienced and saw a disadvantage of those students that didn't have access to some of those basic education tools. That's when we pivoted as an organization to really make sure that we were getting everything from pencils and pencil sharpeners to computers and connectivity into the homes of students and families. The first space we all learn in as um, small, small children is the home. Our parents and our families are teachers. Then we progress to a um, more formalized school environment. And the parents and caregivers continue to teach, but they teach out of school time and maybe help with homework. And it's the teachers and the formal educators and those that become the primary teachers. And then we have out of school time. And that when I talk about out of school time, what that means is the time after the school door closes, either at the end of the school day or during summer. And that's when boys and girls clubs, public libraries, community centers really come into play to help support year-round learning and that learning continuum and pipeline. And what's the result of not having a proper learning environment? How does it affect students? When we walk into a school that's that's not able to be maintained in a way that is safe and healthy and modern, it really does impact the student subconsciously and sometimes right in front of them. There have been studies across the globe that connect 
the type of learning environment to the self-esteem of a student. If you walk into a school where you have peeling paint and ceiling tiles that are falling and things have not been updated, think about how that would make you feel. Everything's vanilla bean white, which was really a, a standard color decades ago in our school systems across this country. But vanilla being white or a very light white cream color can really set a almost an institutional feeling for students. And they spend eight hours plus a day here. So the majority of their life. Now, if they walk into a vibrant space that's full of color and allows and encourages them to discover and innovate and dream and again, inspires them to think differently and work differently, then they're going to want to stay there. In fact, what we've seen in renovated spaces and schools is we see attendance go up, disciplinary actions go down. We also see open enrollment in that school if it's an open enrollment school increase because people want to be there. Families feel that their school, their community school is being invested in. And that's really important. So Heart of America steps in to do all the renovation. Yeah, so Heart of America really is a very unique nonprofit. In fact, we don't know of any other nonprofit that's that's doing the work we are doing throughout the country. There's great organizations out there like Kaboom focuses on outdoor play spaces. There are many corporations and some nonprofits that come in and paint, which is very important. There's a science behind color, and that is an important element, especially when you don't have significant funding to make change with the furniture and the fixtures and the technology. But we actually focus on true renovations and transformation work. This calendar year, we'll do over 100 projects. And you think about all the computers we're putting in schools. But our organization employs a design team that are experts in educational design and layout that are innovating as we speak. We also have a team that manages local contractors and general contractors and trades that help us do the work. And often these partners that we engage, they end up giving and donating. So it helps us force multiply the original donation. As we analyze our projects, the original grant is often multiplied by at least one and a half, if not two times to fair market value, which means... You know, we have a corporate funder come in and give X amount of money. And at the end of the day, we've doubled the impact because we really do take a collaborative community approach. And then we have a project management team that works with the school from design to completion. And they're their main point of contact. Um, they really get to know the students, the principal, the facility partners on the school district level. And we get the project in terms of transformation-wise to about 90% completion. And then we bring in hundreds of community members and corporate employees to finish the rest within a day or two of volunteerism. So imagine us getting the project 
to almost a complete transformation and then in walk hundreds of volunteers to put the finishing touches on paint-wise, building the furniture, hanging the graphics, uh, setting up the space. And at the end of the day, we celebrate by unveiling the space with the students. It is almost as if the students walked in to a big surprise party, a birthday party, if you will, and a moment where they realize this was all done for them. It changes their aspect and outlook on the surrounding community. Many of these students come from families that struggle, and school is where they find safety and friendship and support. And so we did a project in Florida and the students came back and the quotes coming from the students were, we just won the lottery. Oh my gosh. I feel like who gave this to us? You know, they feel like it was almost a holiday celebration while they were gone and they stepped into a magical new world. So these projects are really, really not only important to improve the spaces and improve, again, access and inspiration, but also for these students and teachers. Teachers have had a really hard time over the past few years dealing with the pandemic and the struggles of teaching remotely and showing that they do have community members surrounding them that care. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, here with Jill Hardy-Heath, giving us an overview of Heart of America. So besides renovating learning spaces, it sounds like you also provide resources and learning materials like computers, books, and so much more. We do. That's the other half of our strategy. We really feel that you need great teachers with a learning environment that's not only inspiring from an aesthetic point of view, but also is chock full of modern and basic resources. You know, we walk into schools sometimes that don't have enough pencils. They don't have enough books within their library, within their classrooms. Um, So we want to make sure that the resources that are infused into the traditional school systems or community centers are as robust as possible and really are tailored to what that school or community center needs. Conversely, we also know that, that families don't necessarily have what they need at home to continue that learning, whether it's remote learning or learning after school. Some of these basic needs can include simple things like pencils and pencil sharpeners. We also serve families and schools where the community is struggling economically. Those communities really do struggle in making a decision sometimes between food on the table, electric bills, and or education materials and books for their kids. Studies show right now that medium income families right now in this country have anywhere from 10 to 40 books. Uh, Families with more income have anywhere from 40 to 200. And low-income families sometimes have, well, the average is zero to, to two. 
So you think about the lack of resources in in a lot of homes across the country. That's not okay. It's not equitable and it shouldn't be. So we really do focus as an organization in getting resources into kids and parents' hands. Um, when we're working in tribal communities, they those communities are experiencing almost third world conditions in the middle of our country. We realized that some of these families didn't even have access to power. Many of the homes that they went came home to don't have electricity. So remote learning was completely out of the question. If you don't have power, you certainly don't have connectivity unless you have a cell phone. And some of them do, but they didn't have any way to charge those cell phones. And if they had a school-issued iPad or digital device and laptop, again, it was limited until they could seek power. Um, During the pandemic, we saw a lot of students um, charging their computers, trying to charge devices through cars and things like that. And so at that moment, we realized that the resources, this particular community and some of the tribal lands and also Navajo Nation needed was electricity. And that's when we worked with the school district to identify families that didn't have electricity and provide them with solar electricity, solar panels on their home so that they could at the very least charge a school device and then also have light to read after the sunsets. As soon as the sunsets, productivity stopped, learning stopped, unless they had a lantern of some sort and or a wood-burning stove. So that's been a big focus of ours. And we're very determined to power every student home on Navajo Nation, which is about 6,000 over the course of the next five years. Are you finding the same situation in all Native American communities? No, um, just like communities across the country, Native American and tribal communities do differ. Um, Some are closer to larger cities and so have access to more resources. Some are more remote and it does really vary. But I would say consistently they are under-resourced. What's needed most in Native American communities to improve learning environments? That's a great question. Well, it does vary from tribal community to tribal community, what we're seeing is access to resources at home. So books, school supplies, maybe some STEM activities, art supplies. Also, you know, in some, they do need access to electricity. Even in California, we worked with a tribe that we we were able to get um, education packs to. And all the education packs that went to the various tribal communities, whether it was Utah and outside of Navajo Nation, into California, into Minnesota, we included solar lanterns. So that would be a quick solution for those kids when they do experience brownouts and the grid goes down energy-wise. So resources at materials and resources at home are the number one need in Navajo Nation. And then third, what we're seeing too is a lot of the Native communities are very verbal Their language is not written down often. So, for instance, in Navajo Nation, the first alphabet um, was established in, in 1996. So, language retention for these tribes is really, really important. And I think important for our entire country to make sure that we have 
um, we're passing on traditions and language and culture from one generation to the next because that's what truly makes our country awesome. It helps us to innovate. It helps us to learn from one another. And you think about the the world wars that we've been in. Code talkers um, from Navajo Nation were very, very influential and a prominent part of us being able to keep our troops safe and our military safe because no one could crack the Navajo code talkers language. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra here with Jill Hardy Heath telling us all about Heart of America. Jill, what kind of results are you seeing from your efforts so far? Yeah, well, I'm really proud to say that over our 25 years, we have impacted um, more than 2 million children across the country in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada. We do stretch our work sometimes, particularly with Native American communities across those boundaries because those cultures actually don't recognize state lines. And so if you're going to support an entire community that's Native American, you have to be comprehensive. Some of the other amazing things that Heart of America have has been able to achieve over its past 25 years is we have infused more than $7.5 million in learning technologies, mostly computers and individual devices, into schools and community centers, 4.3 million books, and also renovated, transformed, and created inspiring spaces in over a thousand different schools and communities. Um, and those those spaces really do change lives. They change the, the outlook of the student, of the educators that spend eight hours a day in these, these learning environments. And it really does reflect the fact that the community and the schools and the educators really, really do care about these individual students. A thousand spaces is is pretty impressive, and one space we've seen being improved in the the school often creates a domino effect, and that's really what we want to see happen with our work. We may go into a school and transform the library, which we consider the heart and soul of the school, but all the partners we bring in to help with that transformation, whether they're donating services or product, they then see what else needs to be done. And so we have strategically started momentum in many schools. And now those improvements and continued support continues year after year, which is really why we do this work. The other thing that that we have been able to do as an organization, and I really chalk up as success, is we've been a very collaborative partner who listens to the communities, students, and families that we we work with. Um, and that's where real impact and change happens. For instance, during COVID, we knew post-COVID as the doors of school started to open again, that there was a lot of trauma 
um, our community, our nation experience because of the pandemic and being, you know, um, in remote working and learning situations for a year plus. We also knew that that many families experienced, you know, unfortunately experienced loss of life through their immediate families because of the pandemic. And coming back to school, we listened and we knew that we had to also create new spaces to help with that trauma. And now we also transform spaces that we call wellness centers or peace and meditation rooms, also sensory rooms for students mostly, and even the teachers to come and really have a quiet space to decompress, to de-escalate if they're feeling anxious and needing some support mentally and physically sometimes. So our successes are both quantitative and qualitative. Some of the the stories coming out of our work are are things that we're documenting so that we can reflect back and remind ourselves that as much as you know as hard as 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 this work is sometimes it is so worth rolling up your sleeves and and making sure that you're determined to make change because it really does matter in in lives across the country what kind of stories are you hearing from students their families and others uh, about your work in their communities small what we call surprise and delight moments impact that we never even thought or knew we would make impact like a new library inspiring so many students (laughs) to be in there that they had to actually, schools have had to regulate time because they couldn't accommodate all the students. Um, We've seen in libraries in particular, when we've done transformation projects, circulation rates go through the roof and that results in the school needing more books. We've seen students receive education packs that they get to take home um, for for themselves and keep. And so many often will take the packs, they'll look inside, and it's like receiving presents on a birthday or for a holiday. And the delight and surprise, um, hugging the books, and then also sharing and asking, well, when do I have to return these? You know, when are they due? And and to be able to say to a child who asks that questions, no, these are yours, is the expression is, is amazing. I can't even articulate it because that child in that moment realizes that they get to go home. They get to read and they can read that book over a hundred times if they want. They can create with art supplies that will last them a really long time. And that that means a lot um, in terms of a child's discovery and, again, even self-worth. From, from the work we've done in Native American communities and providing power to students so they can do homework and read at night, We've gotten letters and um, emails saying, I wasn't able to paint at night and I love to paint. But by the time I got home from school on my long bus ride back, which, by the way, sometimes are over an hour on dirt roads, I was able to paint. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to see and be able to do that. And I think what we also the unexpected impact is often with the families. And so the house is illuminated and brings light not only to the student, but it brings light 
to the grandparents and the mom and dad so that they can continue to connect and engage as a family. And those are the moments when you know that the hours you put in and the mission behind the organization is working. And I would like to say that I hope one day Heart of America is not needed because we've figured out how to be equitable um, in all communities across the country in terms of education access. Um, And I hope that happens in my lifetime. For those wanting to know more about Heart of America, where can people find more information? Yes. Thanks for asking that. We often say we're the best kept secret ever um, because we do partner with so many incredible corporations and brands and really want to get the work done in any way we can. Often we push those brands out and in front, but Heart of America is the magic behind some of those incredible community corporate philanthropic initiatives. And you can find out more on the web and going to our webpage, um, which is www.heartofamerica.org, or just look up Heart of America. Um, It should pop up within the hopefully first few websites. And before we conclude, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to remember about Heart of America? Well, I really would love for you to go to our webpage. Also, we're on social media. In fact, Facebook has some amazing pictures of projects. Um, not only do we work with corporations, but we work with foundations and sports teams to bring more support into learning environments, into schools. Um, so follow us on social media. We have a great Instagram account, Facebook account, Twitter, and YouTube, which shows you uh, via video how these spaces come to life. We have projects that have we've done what we call time lapses with, and you can see what they looked like previously and how we've transformed them over a three-month period. So check us out, ping us on social media, We do encourage volunteerism. Um, If you'd like to support us in some of the projects that are coming up, let us know. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today on Closer Look. Thank you for having me, Raphael. It's been a pleasure.